0: We're in a race against the clock. In a race against the clock to reach these people before it's too late. While there is hope, we must reach them while there is hope. We must reach them while there is hope. Uh, This is Pastor Robert Wilson here in Guadalajara, Mexico. And it's such a blessing just to be able to share my heart with you a little bit tonight. Uh, Let's open our Bibles to Lamentations chapter 1. Lamentations chapter 1. And we'll be reading verses 12 through 16. Verse 16 is the text verse for tonight's message. Lamentations chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. And I'll start reading here with verse 12. And think about the words as you read them. Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? Behold, and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me. Wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of of his fierce anger. From above he hath sent fire into my bones, and it prevailed against them. He hath spread a net for my feet. He hath turned me back. He hath made me desolate and faint all the day. The yoke of my transgressions is bound by his hand. They are wreathed and come up upon my neck. He hath made my strength to fall. The Lord hath delivered me into their hands, from whom I am not able to rise up. The Lord hath trodden underfoot all my mighty men in the midst of me. He hath called an assembly against me to crush my young men. Lord hath trodden the virgin, the daughter of Judah, as in a winepress. And verse 16 is the text. For these things I weep, mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water, because the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate, because the enemy prevailed. And I'll read that one more time. Verse 16. For these things I weep, mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water, because the comforter that should relieve my soul is is far from me my children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. and let us pray dear heavenly father we thank you so much for um dear friends that think about missionaries and care about them thank you so much for giving us this work that we have here and for the privilege we have of serving you here and dear lord i just pray you'd help me to convey my hearts to the dear people listening my only goal my only desire is to be a blessing to them but i can't do without your help So Holy Spirit, guide me, lead me, help me with the sermon. And Jesus, I want you to be magnified by what happens. And above all, Jesus, I thank you for what you've done here and with with the people that are listening and for the privilege that that we have to be here tonight. Bless the service, bless the preaching. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. What we have here in the text that we've just read is the personification of the city of Jerusalem. Here, Jeremiah is comparing the city to a broken, battered woman left out in the street to die. And I think what Jeremiah is doing here is crying out for help. It's a, it's a call for help. What Jeremiah is saying, is it nothing to everybody else? Am I the only one here? Will no one else come to help me? I think it's like any pastor, any preacher wants more people helping him, wants more people in the, in the work. And what he's doing is he's personifying the city of Jerusalem and Jerusalem is crying out like a woman that's been hurt, that's been battered, that's, that's dying, that needs help. And I believe what Jeremiah is trying to tell us is who would not help one person that's hurt and broken and battered? Who would not, going down the street and passing by some alley and encountering someone that's lying there at point of death, all bloody, would not call the police or throw a coat over her or do something, try to help her? And what Jeremiah is saying, just like we'd help just one person, shouldn't we help an entire city that's hurting, cities all around the world looking for a comforter, but where are they? The question I have tonight is, where is the comforter? My servant tonight: where is the comforter? I guess I'd say, what happened, what happened to him? What the lady says here, what Jerusalem says here, what the city says here, for the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. Who else should have been there? Who else should have gone? Who else should have helped? He should have been there, but he wasn't there. Why was he so far away? Why did he not go? Was he not sent? He should have gone, the Bible says. He should be there. He should be, be there. I'm wondering tonight how many neighborhoods, how many countries, how many cities have to suffer for the lack of the comforter because the comforter didn't go. Maybe he refused or maybe uh, no one sent him. How should they preach except they be sent? Well, God heard the cry of the city. God heard the cry and God called Jeremiah to answer the cry, the weak weeping prophet. Just like God has heard the cries of the people here and the city we were at, the city of Guadalajara, and God has called us to answer the cry. And we've answered the cry. When I was a 17-year-old boy, one night God called me to the mission field during my personal devotions. I was just on my knees praying by my bed, and God spoke to my heart to be a missionary to Mexico. And I immediately surrendered to go to the mission field. I went to Bible college and met my wife. We both graduated. And now i have been serving here in Guadalajara for almost 19 years. 19 years in the city of Guadalajara. We'll, we'll finish 19 years this February here in the city. And uh, the reason I came here is we started out working with an established missionary in Monterey. When we first came to Mexico, I knew God had called me to Mexico, but I didn't know where. I was working with an established missionary for two years in Monterey, Pastor Tommy Ashcraft. And uh, then I asked him, Brother Ashcraft, what? Um, I believe God wants me to start my own church. Would you have any idea where we can go? And Brother have just said, well, there's no wrong place you can go. There's needs everywhere. But he suggested uh, some cities, and, and we started traveling. My wife and I went to different cities. And uh, when we came to Guadalajara, God just, just spoke my heart. God spoke to me. This is it. Uh, this, this is the city uh, here in Guadalajara. We saw the, the need, the great need, and all the people, the people just you know living like sardines and just millions of people. And uh, God spoke to our heart to come here to Guadalajara. So we've been here now for all these years preaching. Uh, we've started our church. Uh, we have another church now we started up in the mountains, and two of our men have started other churches. But uh, God heard the cries, and God's called us to answer the cry. God's called us to answer the cry. God hears the cries of, of wounded, weeping people. God hears the cries of a sin-sick world. And God calls somebody to go and answer that cry. God answered that, answer that cry. Let's go to, to the book of Genesis chapter 18. God heard the cries of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it appears to me like God wanted someone to do something about it, but nothing was done. Genesis chapter 18, we'll read verses 20 and 21. How God heard the cries of Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 18, verses 20 and 21. Verse 20, and the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now. Because the cry is great. God heard the cries of the suffering people in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. I can imagine the children suffering, and how the great heart of God must have broke for the children, innocent children that, that were just um, uh, there being, that they were being uh, tortured and, and, and abused, the children, The Bible said the city was so bad that when the angels came to Lot's house that the great and the small went to to batter on the door, to batter on the door. But children abused and and imagine the women, how the the women must have been treated and all the suffering and God wanted something to be done. Uh, God did not want to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But it appears that someone was supposed to do something and nothing was done. Let's look at verse 21. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it. God said, let's see if they did their job. I want to see if something was done. Let's see what they have done. I believe God was talking about someone that was supposed to do a work in Sodom and Gomorrah. Who was supposed to save uh, those cities? Maybe it was Lot. Now, I know what you're thinking. No, Lot went there with ulterior motives. Lot went there because he had a taste for sin in the world. But the reason he was there is is not the subject. What it is, is what he should have done. Maybe we all go somewhere for ulterior motive, but once we're there, God wants us to do a work there. God wants us to to, to work. Maybe someone goes to a city uh, looking to to advance economically, but then once they get they get there, there should be there should be a uh, soul There should be trying to reach people. The Bible says that Lot was saved in Second Peter chapter two verse seven. It talks about Lot and delivered just Lot. That means he was saved, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, their wicked lifestyle. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their lawful deeds. It says Lot was bothered by the sin of the city, but (laughs) Lot didn't do anything. Brethren, it's one thing to be vexed, to be bothered by the sin that surrounds you. It's another thing to do something about it. Do something about it. And we all have the call to make a difference. It's not enough to just complain about it. You have to do something. You have to go out and soul win and reach people and preach and try to reach the people in your neighborhood. The way the children suffer nowadays is just incredible how the devil has just cast a net for the children. The devil's has cast a net for the children. Uh, one of our dear ladies um, was talking to me about the children's textbooks, the textbooks here and, and the grade school, grade school textbooks Things that it shows that just you can't even mention a mixed company. Things that are showed, and the textbooks for the for the grade school children, and the devils after the children. The devils after them. And of course, uh, we as good godly families, good god fearing people, we protect our children. But What about those out there? What about the ones uh, beyond the doors of the church? Who will help with the children? Who will help help them to know better? Who will reach the families? Where is the comforter? What happened? Where's the comfort tonight? Who is the comfort that should be there? Who is the person that should be helping them? It says the comfort that should relieve my soul is far from me. Going back to the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah, it says in verse 21, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the private, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. God knows if we did what we're supposed to do. I wonder who's listening tonight God's calling you to go to some city, some county, some country, some area to preach or to reach people or maybe a bus route. And God said, let's see if they've done what they're supposed to do. Let's see if they did what they're supposed to do. The Bible talks about the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment where the people will look at us and say, "Why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you reach us? Imagine that whole city you're supposed to reach. Look at you one day and say, "Why didn't you go?" And the Bible says their blood will be on your hands. Where is the comforter tonight? Where is he? What happened? The comforter that should leave my soul is far from me. May not be said of the person you're supposed to reach. As pastors talk about divine appointments, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, as the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, on two good works, on two good works, that we're suppo- that he hath before thee, that we should walk in them. God has good works lined up for us. God has a job for us to do. And God have mercy if we don't do that job. If we do not do that job that God has called us to do, the Bible says here that, that they did not do their job in Sodom and Gomorrah. Who is it supposed to be? Maybe, maybe Lot. The Bible says Lot was bothered, but Lot, if you would have just saved your family, if you just gone after your own family... You could have saved the city. Ten righteous people. Uh, maybe a couple other people. Maybe some of your family wouldn't listen. You could get some other people. Maybe God was counting on Abraham. Wasn't it Abraham that just a couple chapters earlier saved the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah from destruction? Maybe they would have listened to him. But no one did anything, and the cities were destroyed. I believe Jesus said, Jesus said with a broken heart in Matthew eleven twenty three, 23, And that Capernaum, which are exalted to heaven... Shall so be brought down the hill. For if the mighty works which were have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. Who was supposed to do the mighty works in Sodom? Who failed? What happened to the comforter? All those people perished that could have been saved. All those people perished. It's one thing to be bothered, it's another thing to do something. Say, Pastor, what can I do? We can preach, we can go soul winning, we can have a bus. There's something we can do. We have the solution to all the world's problems. And the solution isn't money, it's Jesus Christ. The solution, they need Jesus. And that's something we can all give. That's something a child can give. That's something anybody can give. God can use anybody. You don't have to be handsome or beautiful or tall or or smart, God can use you. Where's the comforter? Where's the comforter? It's so sad what goes on in the world people crying out and we have the solution to all the world's problems and we remain silent, remain silent. God did not want to destroy Sodom. God did not want to destroy the city. He said he would have spent it for just 10 righteous people. Maybe Lot's family were they. Maybe it was him and Abraham were the they that God was talking about in Genesis eighteen twenty one that could have saved the city. The great heart of God is moved by the cries of the afflicted. Then he sends a comforter. He sends someone to answer the cry. He, he answers the cries of the world by sending a pastor or a missionary or a soul winner or a bus worker. God hears the cries. First Samuel 5, verse 12. The Bible says, And the men that died not were smitten with the emeralds, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Here it's talking about the pagan Philistines. They were crying out in pain, and God heard them. They, were, they weren't even crying out to God, but God heard them, and God sent them the relief. God sent them the answer. Imagine this sin world crying out. Who will go? Who will answer the cry? I think about the story of Jonah. I think about Nineveh, how God heard the cries, and God sent a Jonah there to save the city. And the truth is, I believe that Jonah was just one of many Old Testament missionaries that God had called, but didn't go. We have the register of Jonah, we have the story of Jonah, but I wonder how many Jonah's there really were. How many prophets in the Old Testament did God, did God call to go reach the heathen, but the story's not even in the Bible because they never went. God's always had the great heart for missions. God sent Jonah to Nineveh. I believe we had that story there of how much trouble it took God, how much, how much trouble God had just to get him finally to the field. But I wonder how many Jonas were said but didn't go. How many didn't answer? I wonder how many Jonas today. God's calling out. Or maybe you'll just have a bird and just go. Maybe you just have the desire and you can go. How many Jonas were there? How many people did God call in the Old Testament to go but they just never went? How many more Jonas are there now? God's heard the cry of Mexico. The cries of the people here in Guadalajara. He has called us to go. Answer the cry God has called us to go and answer the cry. I was speaking about the children, how God God hears the children. And a lot of of the time, the children, they don't don't know any better. The children just suffer. They suffer for mistakes that their parents have made. And they suffer for what other people have done. God hears the children. Um, Let's look at Exodus chapter 22, verse 21. Exodus chapter 22, verse 21. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. Let's go to verse 23. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. It says, God hears the cries. God hears the cries of the children. The children cry out, and God hears, and God responds. God responds, the children. You know, children suffer too. How many children uh, suffer from emotional, uh, emotional, um, b- emotional abuse, or suffer from physical abuse. Who will reach them? Who will go after them? It was a beautiful thing. This this last Sunday, uh, one of our one of our men uh, on his bus route, uh, Brother Jonathan, went out and uh, with an eighteen passenger Chevy Express van and came back to church. Came back to church with forty five people in the van. Forty five people. Of course, most of them were small children. Uh, there were some adults and some teenagers, but mostly little children. And what a what a joy it was for me seeing all these little children from Israel pouring into church, pouring into church. But who will hear the children? Who will comfort the children? How many afflicted children are there? Uh, another another passage. Let's go to Lamentations chapter three, Lamentations chapter three, verse forty eight. God hears the children. Children crying out for someone to help them. Children crying out for some help. Who will answer? The children have a lot of potential. The children are the future. Lamentations 3, verse 48. Lamentations 3, 48. Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission till the Lord look down and behold from heaven. Mine eye affecteth mine mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. God hears the children. God calls someone to reach them. God calls someone to reach them. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, Chasten thy son while there is hope. Chasten thy son while there is hope. The implication there is, is that there's a day when hope runs out. Brethren, we're in a race against the clock. We're in a race against the clock. In a race against the clock, to reach these people before it's too late. While there is hope. We must reach them while there is hope. We must reach them while there is hope. Someone asked me about the migrant situation. So many so many uh, foreigners, so many people from these Latin American countries are crossing the borders, going into the United States, going into Canada. And uh, I had to think about it. Well, God, why, why are you allowing this? Of course, you know, God, Permits permits this to happen, but God, what what's your feelings on this? Why are you allowing this? Why are you allowing this to, to happen in um in these countries in America and Canada? And I believe I might know one of the reasons. If we go to the Old Testament, Genesis chapter Genesis chapter four verse six Genesis chapter four verse six. Here we have the story of Cain when Cain's sacrifice was refused because God wanted a blood sacrifice and Cain uh, did not obey. Uh, Cain did not offer a blood sacrifice and God gave Cain a second chance. Uh, God said, well, Cain, uh, you know, I'll give you another chance. It's here, uh, verse six, Genesis 4, six. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the, at the door. And the word sin there is a sin offering or a lamb that was crouching at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And what God said, Cain, look, maybe you don't want to have to go to your brother and ask for a lamb for him. You don't want to ask him to give you one. You don't have to pay him for one. Maybe you don't want to go look for a lamb. So Cain, I'll just take away all the barriers. All you have to do is open your door, and there's a lamb right there ready to jump into your arms. Ready to jump into your arms, there's a lamb right there. I believe what's going on with the, the migrant situation, that uh, for so many years God has been calling his people to be missionaries to foreign lands. And God calling his people, Canadians and, and Americans, to go to foreign lands to preach. And for different reasons, maybe they want not have to deal with the narcos or deal with the, the kidnappers, or deal with the, the problems of a, of a foreign country. So I believe God said, okay, well, I want to reach these people, so here's what I'll do. If you don't go to the mission field, I'll bring the mission field to you. Just open your back door, and there's the mission field. Right there. There's the mission field. Your back door. I believe God's bringing these people into these countries to be saved. Will they have a chance to hear the gospel? Where they can be saved, I believe God wants to start a lot of great Spanish churches. When you think about it, a lot of the barriers have been eliminated. Of course, here in Mexico, when we reach a new family, um, they have to leave their church. and They have to come to our church. And many times they're leaving their family, and their family will be telling them, well, why are you going to the American church, the church of the American pastor? Why don't you stay with us? Why are you going with them? And they have to disgrace their family to come here to another church. But these migrants that are moving in, they've already left their church. They've already left their families. They're people that are just ripe for the picking. It's a white harvest field. A white harvest field. Just waiting to be, to be uh, recovered by somebody. And maybe what God wants to do is start these great Spanish churches and that way the Americans, the Canadians say, hey, well, look what's going on with the Spanish people. Let's, let's, let's do this too. I just know that God wants to reach Him. God wants to reach the world and God's doing all he can To open our eyes to have a world vision, a vision for the world, a vision for the world. God hears the cries and God calls somebody who will go. Where is the comforter tonight? The comforter, the one that will reach the people. God has a heart for the whole world and God wants to reach the world. God calls people to go and they need to be sent. I'd like to, to share a story. I'd like to share a metaphor that you've probably heard before that it can explain the situation of the missionaries. The missionaries, Many times, the church is compared to a spiritual hospital. We'll say that the church is a spiritual hospital. The church is not a museum. The church is not a museum where everybody gets together to see who's the most holy, the most polished. It's not where we all get together to see who's the, uh, the, the, the most beautiful one of all. No, the church is a hospital. Uh, the vans that we send out are, are ambulances. And the people come to be treated emotionally and spiritually here in the church, and that's what the church is. But I have to say, in the case of our hospital, our hospital, that we're severely overrun and understaffed. Our hospital is severely overrun and understaffed. And me as the, the head doctor here, and my wife, I guess you could say, head nurse, imagine we have to leave. Imagine how the hospital feels when the doctor says, I have to go. Look, I have to raise more supplies. I I can't stay. Imagine how the patients, no, doctor, you you can't leave us. Doctor, don't go. But that's what it's like when the missionary has to leave his field. When the missionary has to go and leave leave the the hospital in the hands of people that are not qualified. That's why the missionaries stay. That's why we stay. We have to attend on the people, the spiritual hospital where the Lord has placed us, a place where God has put us to reach these people. And that's why the spiritual hospital has to be reached, has to be helped. The spiritual hospital where God has placed us here in Guadalajara, Mexico, people that God has put us here to reach. I'm going to go to one more text, Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54. God sends the comforter. Isaiah 54, we'll read verses 11 to 13. Isaiah fifty-four eleven through thirteen. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and lay thy foundations with sapphires, and I will make thy windows of agates, and thy gates of carbuncles, and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Great shall be the priests, the peace. Of of thy children, the peace of thy children. Think about my mom. It says here, uh verse 11, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted. I think about my mom um, up there in Chicago. Before I was born, my mom had a lot of a lot of problems. My mom had a lot of a lot of uh, sin in her life, a lot of um, um, anxiety and a lot of sins she would do to try to try to cope with it. And then I was born. And my mom said that, she said, I want my son to have a better life than this. My wife, sorry, my, my mom had been involved with a lot of sinful things. My mom was, was um, involved with a lot of things she shouldn't have been involved with. I won't go into the whole story. But my mom said she looked in the crib. She saw me as a baby and she said, I want a better life for my son. I don't want him to grow up like me. I don't want him to have to turn out like me. My mom said, I want my, my son to have a better life than this. My son, I don't live like this, so my mom started started praying and and praying for a church. So my mom was was looking, she was searching, for somebody to help us. I remember we tried to go to, uh, she take me to different churches. I was just growing up, I'm just a little kid, and uh, then one day when I was five years old, um, two young ladies came to our came to our house. Two young ladies came to our house and, and knocked on the door up there in Chicago, and they knocked on the door and they they invited us to go to church. And my mom didn't know what to do my mom just just losing hope um, she said okay, I'll, I'll go I'll go with you and uh, my mom took me to church I was five years old at the time and when I was five years old I heard the gospel someone shared the gospel with me someone took the time to, to preach me the gospel and to the to the to the glory of God and by his grace I was saved as a five-year-old boy five-year-old boy and then growing up in Chicago um, going to the church, my mom making sure I was in all the services and my mom put me in the Christian school and going up in the church in the Christian school and uh, God gave us a comforter. God gave us someone and I can say by God's grace, I don't have the testimony of my mom. My mom with all her sin and all the problems she had and the, the way she tried to cope with her sin, but I was able to grow up there in Chicago and, and I've never smoked or drunk or, or done any of those things and uh, I owe it to the fact that someone came and reached me, that God sent a comforter for me, for our family. And uh, of course, my mom, after that, started going to church faithfully. My, mom, uh, my mom's life was just all cleaned up. And uh, my mom's up in heaven now. I'm so sure looking, looking down upon uh, this, this meeting tonight. But uh, who will go? Who will be the comforter? What, what happened to the comforter? Uh, what happened to him? Why, why isn't he there? Why isn't he not, not in his place? Would we be the ones who would be accused of that, of not being where we're supposed to be, the place where God has placed us? God has put me here in Guadalajara. God has put you where you're at, and you should be the comfort of the people around you. God has destined you to be the comfort of that area. And there's people that you can reach that I can't reach. I like to say one thing as a missionary. We're so glad that, that people help us be here on the field, but we ask you to work where you're at, to reach the people where you are. Where's the comforter tonight? What happened to the comforter? I'll read the verse one more time, and then I'll close. Lamentations chapter 12, verse 16. We'll finish where we started. Lamentations chapter, Lamentations chapter um, 12. Uh, Lamentations chapter 1, verse 12. We'll read verses 12 and 16. That's it. Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? Is it nothing? People suffering, is it nothing? People crying out, is it nothing? Is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? Behold, and see if there is any sorrow, like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me. where the Lord hath afflicted me, they have his fierce anger. And then verse 16, And this is the city crying out, For these things I weep. Mine eye, mine eye, runneth down with water, because the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate, because the enemy prevailed. We have to reach them before the enemy prevails. Before the children are destroyed. And we can by God's grace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this reunion. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to preach to these dear people. And their Jesus, I pray you just reach their heart about the need of a world. Crying out for comfort. And people that are willing to go but need to be sent. God bless us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.